0: Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Brandon Archer podcast. And we are going to jump right in to where we left off last week in Acts chapter 10. And we're just going to go ahead and start from the beginning, and then we will pick up um, where we left off. Uh, But I am going to go back and read that first part, so bear with me. But let's go ahead and just pray before we get into the word. Father, God in heaven and on earth, we love you, we appreciate you, we surrender our lives, our hearts, our minds, Uh, we surrender to you, Lord, you are king, you are Lord, you are ruler, and uh, we love you, God, we trust you, we bless you, we worship you, we're so grateful for what Jesus has done on the cross and paying the price for every mistake, every sin, and God, that you welcome us in with open arms. And God, when we come and we humble ourselves and repent uh, or uh, come to you just boldly before your throne of grace and have conversation, have intimacy, have a relationship with you, God. You're not afar off. You're not standing at a distance. You're right here and you want to speak to us and you want to embrace us. And God, we just embrace you. And God, if there's any hardness, any uh, guile, anything that's there, Lord, that's impure in our heart towards you or towards other people, Lord, we lay it down. We forgive. We ask for mercy. We ask you, God, to help us in our time of need. And God, that we would be able to and have the strength to release uh, any unforgiveness, anything, God, that's in there that's not of you, any attitude, any attitude. arrogance, pride, uh, just stinking thinking that we might have throughout our week or day. God, we ask that you would interrupt and that you would just gently nudge us, Lord, and correct those feelings and those intentions in our heart, God, and we just press in and we lean into you because you are awesome and you are good and you are faithful. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, let's go ahead and jump into Acts chapter 10, and we're just going to go ahead and start. Now, at Caesarea Martima, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian Regiment, a devout man who, one who, along with all his household, feared God. He made many charitable donations to the Jewish people and prayed to God always, so we kind of dived into this last week a little bit, and we see that you know, God is God is not just kind of hanging out in heaven, not attentive or or watching or looking or seeing. And the incredible thing about God, you know, and there's people obviously that don't believe this, but I do believe this. I believe that there is a creator, I believe there's a higher power. I believe that there is, and I'm not saying that the higher power, that higher power is Jehovah is God, the God who sent his son in the flesh, Jesus Christ on the earth to die for man's sin, to teach them, to disciple them in the ways that the creator created them, to point them back to the truth that was in the word. and uh, But that God sees and he watches over his creation, that he actually looks and cares and, and he's watching. And so, in this verse we see that there's this man who isn't a jew he's a he's a a roman um, of the italian regiment he's a, a soldier and but he has this heart and this fear of god he he recognizes that there is a god and not only that but he's honoring the jewish people and he's giving them donations he's helping them he's there's something there who knows exactly what transpired but there's something there where he feels a a need or desire to give and to bless the jewish people be charitable show them love right and i believe this is because of that heart for god that god when we have a heart for the lord and we have a relationship with him he has the ability and access into our heart to then impress upon our heart show us reveal us reveal to us things that he wants us to do things how he wants us to live and we have to have that that open heart and that comes with having the fear of the lord and the fear of the lord is not something that um you know there is a fear of you know god is big he, he you're you're your life you're a speck right in the scheme of things you're a wisp of fog you're a vapor you know you're you In the scheme of life, you don't seem so big, right? We like to pretend that we are, you know, especially in our society with the way we prop people up and make them seem important and big and and great. But in the scheme of things, you know, we're just dust. We're specks of dust. But God is who is incredible to be feared, to be loved, to be worshiped, because he's the one who, you know, has all this in his hands and and is watching over us. And I know that's a hard concept for a lot of people to believe or even wrap their mind around. But to me, it's like I don't try to do it with my head and my thoughts and my mind. And this is the thing, the mind is very tricky. So a lot of people think they're so smart, right? And they have all this intelligent and, and information and they go in and quote, all this stuff from the world and books and things somebody wrote, opinion pieces, all this stuff. Everybody has a, you know, and they like to just spout rhetoric. But at the end of the day, your little pea brain cannot compare to the cosmos, to the to the world. To to when you look at life and you look at the way things operate and the creation and all the little things that ha- that are alive on this earth, you can't wrap your head around it people have spent lifetimes studying and going after and delving into science and things to try to figure it out right and i don't think that's how you approach god i don't think you're there to figure god out how can i figure god out because humanity likes to figure things out so we can control and manipulate them and you have that within the, the church system people try to figure god out and then they want to control and manipulate and and uh, you know it's like now they're god right but when you fear the Lord and there's a love for people and there's a true, genuine thing there, then God is watching and he takes notice. And we see that, that his family, his household feared the Lord and that he was, his heart wasn't just on himself, but he was looking at the Jewish people and he would give. He would pray and he would, he would give donations to them. And in verse three, it says, about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had come to him and said Cornelius so here you get God's attention and he sends an angel right angel comes and he says Cornelius and of course Cornelius was like whoa what's going on here He's frightened and he stared intently at him and said what is it Lord or sir and the angel said to him your prayers and gifts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God an offering made in remembrance of his past blessings. Now send men to Joppa and have them call for a man named Simon Peter who is also, or a man named Simon who is also called Peter and invite him here. I like how it says your prayers and gifts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before for God. So God is seeing, right, your prayers, your gifts, your, your good deeds don't go unnoticed. When you have a heart for God, it's not like you're, you know, there's a difference between doing good deeds so that people can see and you can get a little check mark or a pat on the back or some kind of, you know, gold medal or reward. and People recognize your your goodness, right? But it's another thing when the God of, of creation and the universe and who rules and reigns takes notice of what you're doing and that your heart is truly your actions and your heart is to saying, God, I, I know your eyes are seeing, your eyes are watching. And that's what I'm more concerned about than what people and what men are seeing. And, you know, and I don't want the praises of men, but I want the praise of God. I want God to be pleased with what I'm doing, what I'm saying, how I'm living my life. And so he, the angel gives Simon instructions to basically give an, invitation to Peter to come to his house. And uh, he was staying with Simon the tanner whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who was speaking to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among his own personal attendants. And after explaining everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So he's he's giving them testimony of what he's experienced and now he's sending them on a mission to go have Peter come. The next day, as they were on their way and were approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof of the house about the sixth hour. So as they're walking towards the city, Peter gets it in his mind and heart to go up to the roof. Maybe he's wanting to get a little suntan. (laughs) Or he's going up there to pray. Or he's just going up there to maybe just, you know, have some peace of mind. But he goes up there and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance and he saw the sky open up. So he's hungry, he's in this place. And here, let me make a point about this idea of being hungry. You know, when you're hungry, there's something so incredible about, I don't know, it's its the human body and how we're created that we hunger for sustenance, for food, right? Our body needs food to survive and live. and But there's something interesting about how God meets us in this place of natural hunger and also spiritual hunger and how spiritual hung, hunger always pushes and presses against the natural hunger because you don't, it, it's like there's something about when you feed your flesh and you feed yourself, like for me personally, and this might seem weird for some people, but... I don't like going to church after just stuffing my face or like going to a service or some side, some sort of conference where I'm going to listen to the word of God or, um, I'm going to worship, whatever it is. I don't like to just go eat a bunch of food and then go be in that. It it does something to me to where I'm not as attentive. I'm not as like, um, open to the spirit. Uh, My flesh is just in this place of like, oh yeah, satisfied and like you know, just stuffed and your, your, your body's digesting your food and you just, you can feel almost like, uh, tired. So I try to, I try to either eat early, eat earlier to where my food can be digested or I don't eat, I fast. And I let my hunger for God overpower and supersede the hunger for the things, the natural uh, food and sustenance. I I want a hunger for the Lord. And so there is a hunger for God that can suppress and push down. That's what fasting and prayer is, is really just shutting down the flesh that's constantly crying out saying, give me, give me, I want, I need. And then saying yes to God, saying, no God, I'm hungry for you. I need your word, I need, I'm gonna worship you. I'm gonna bless you in this place. And I believe Peter's in this place where he's hungry and he's about to feed his flesh, but he's, he's not quite eaten yet, right? And there's a reason why God's going to show up before he eats. He shows up in a time of hunger and actually begins to give him a vision, show him something supernatural. And while he's in this trance, he sees the sky open up and an object like a great sheet descending, lowered by its four corners to the earth. And it contained all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not at all, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is uncommon, unholy, and ceremonially unclean. And the voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed and pronounced clean, no longer consider common unholy. This happened three times, and then immediately the object was taken up into heaven. Now Peter was still perplexed and completely at a loss as to what his vision could mean when the men who had been sent by Cornelius having asked directions to Simon's house arrived at the gate so he's there after this vision and he's still trying to figure out what did this mean you know maybe you've had this experience where you have a dream or you're in a place of like not knowing what God's saying somebody says something or you do have a vision or you have some kind of supernatural encounter but you're not sure and grasp the meaning of it yet and that's because it's like God sometimes works in this really cool way of like a puzzle. He gives you a piece. He gives you a piece of the puzzle. Or you discover a piece of the puzzle. And then there's another piece. And it takes your obedience. And it takes your saying yes to him for you to get the next piece, right? It's an adventure. It's a journey. Walking with God is is this really fun thing. But you can't allow the negative emotions and the things of the world and, and the enemy to come in and steal that part of it because if he does it'll it'll take away the joy of of just serving the lord of being a christian and following jesus and walking with him keep your heart right keep your your attitude in the right place because it's in that place where the adventure and the journey is seen through the perspective of the spirit and you can embrace the journey okay god i have a peace i don't know what the full picture is yet but i'm gonna walk and trust you and, and you're gonna begin to reveal what The picture is what the meaning of this what you're trying to say to me sometimes he speaks and it's known right away and sometimes it's a it's that journey of discovery now peter was still perplexed and completely at loss as to what the vision could mean when the men who had been sent by cornelius having asked for directions to simon's house they arrived at the gate and they called out to ask whether simon who was called peter was staying there And while Peter was thoughtfully considering the vision, the spirit said to him, now listen, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitating or doubting. Because I have sent them by myself. I I mean, I have sent them myself. So the spirit of God is then speaking to Peter, quickening him and giving him another piece and saying, hey, there's three men. You're going to go with them and I want you to go with them. I, I am sending them and I am sending you with them. Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, well spoken of by all the Jewish people, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. So Peter invited them in and gave them lodging for that night. So back in the day, it wasn't like you just got in the car and you drove. You had to walk, right? So they're like, look, come in. We're going to eat. We're going to fellowship. And then we'll get up and we'll go on our journey. We'll head, head there the next day. Um, There's a point here I wanted to get to back here about the vision. So we see in the vision, God saying, hey, look, see all this? What you've considered unclean, I'm telling you is clean. You can eat. Get up and eat. And the specifics of, of this, people say, oh, well, you know, it's eat whatever you want. God doesn't care, which, you know, I don't think you're going to go to hell if you eat poorly. But we know through evidence and just living life and also health, right, that you can't just eat whatever you want. It it's it, it doesn't, it's not good for you, everything to eat. And that the this, this scriptures is, is talking about don't be careless in your diet, but he was saying more Look, don't consider the Gentiles, right? Because the Jews were, um, you know, for them to even like fellowship with unclean people or people who didn't believe like them. And there was a very, there was very strict rules there. Well, Jesus, when he died, obliterated all that because he dealt with the sin issue. He dealt with all the rules and the regulations. And it's now about faith and coming to him through faith and having a relationship with him by faith. That's why these other religion, religions that still try to hold on to the orthodoxy or the or the traditions of men and and these these rules and regulations, there's there's a stiffness to it. There's a, there's a strange thing to um, religion. It has a strange sense or a smell, to, especially to somebody in the world. Um, it's bizarre, and it is. You can look at certain people or belief systems like um, what are the. The Amish, right, they have a, their own idea. Mormons have their own idea. Catholicism is their own idea. There's all these different religions that have their own idea of what it looks like to be to be like, to love God. And it's a lot of putting on or, you know, like dressing a certain way or having certain traditions or beliefs that are laws and that dictate to them something. But Jesus came in with, with power of God and the word of God destroyed all that stuff. It doesn't matter. What matters now is the heart. It's the heart, it's the inner thing. It's the thing that people cannot see in the natural with their eyes, but God can see by the spirit in your life. And God is going after the heart. And when your heart is right, it, it doesn't show up in I mean, you could dress nice, yes, and you can look nice and smell nice, be clean, have some kind of hygiene. Okay, God's not saying be unclean and dirty and stinky. He's saying that's, there's not a liberty to, to live that way, live unclean, but there's now a heart that from the inside out is pure and is showing by action and deed and belief that you love God, that God is real and alive because of what, he, who he is on the inside of your life by the relationship you have with him, not by some kind of traditional or religious sect or whatever that you belong to or the car you drive or don't drive you know or the or the fact that you you know you eat on a farm or you eat at McDonald's God's not he obviously one will have a better effect but God's not going to you're not going to go to hell and he's not going to keep you out of having a relationship with him because of those things so Peter because of this vision and because he's being led by God decides to go with these men to to Cornelius's house the next day, Peter got up and left with him, and some of the brothers from Joppa went with him. On the following day, he and the others entered Caesarea. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So Cornelius is ready. He's like at, a, at attentive because he's had this supernatural encounter. I'm sure he shared it with his family. He's gathered them all together. We know Italians, man. They're they're family oriented, right? They're, they're big family, right? So it's like we're gonna get all our cousins and Frank and whatever and and, and uh Joey and you know, Tony over here and Tony Junior and and uh, <laughs> you know, they're gonna all be there having like all that yummy Italian food and they're gonna be waiting for Peter to, to come in. I'm just kidding. I'm adding some of that, but you, you get the point. So all his family and relatives are there. And when Peter arrived, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. So this is, here's another thing where Cornelius, you know, he loves God, but he doesn't understand yet fully because he doesn't know Jesus. He doesn't understand. He hasn't been saved. He hasn't been redeemed yet. He's had his heart for God. He has an understanding of God. He has a fear of God. But he doesn't have that relationship that Peter knows about and had and actually walked with Jesus and and understands the reality of who Jesus was. He was God. So instead of letting this man sit there and worship him as if he was God, he says he raises him up and says, stand up. I, too, am only a man. So you see Peter here. It's not about come worship me, right? Oh, I know Jesus. I'm so awesome and great. Come worship me. No, he's saying, look, I'm just a man, okay? I'm a man just like you are. And as Peter talked with him, he entered the house and found a large group of people assembled. And he said, hey, oh, how you doing over there? No, he said, hey. He said to them, you know that it is unlawful for a Jewish man to associate with or befriend a Gentile. And he's saying, the law says that this is not right, but God said, away with that law, right? That's garbage, boom, we're gonna break it and destroy it. Now, you're gonna meet and have an encounter with the the one that your heart has been longing for, the one that your heart is saying, I know that there's a real God, I know there's somebody out, I know that there is a higher power and a creator And Peter comes and introduces him and his family. And it says uh, that it was unlawful for any Jew to visit a Gentile or even fellowship with them. And yet God has shown me that I am not to call anyone common or ceremonially unclean. Therefore, when I was sent for, I came. So here Peter already has the revelation of what the vision was. He was he realized it wasn't about the food. It was about people. That there shouldn't be anything standing between you and other people. That that you can have a relationship, and you can go into other cultures, and you can go in, and just because you're you're saved or redeemed, that doesn't restrict you from fellowshipping and meeting and preaching the gospel, or or you know, um, being a witness to people that aren't like you. All right? You can now. Oh, it's it's everybody's included in. This message of the gospel. Everybody's a human, right? It's not about the color of your skin. You know, you can look at at a, a white man's hand and a black man's hand, and they look very similar. They're they're the only thing difference is maybe the size or the shape or the color, but they they have a hand, right? They have a foot, and we're the same. We just have different shade of color on our skin, and that's. That's supposed to be the thing that separates you. No, you're the same as me. You might have different features, but you ha- you have a nose, you have ears, you have eyes, you have hair, you have you have a heart. You 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 have the same organs that I do. So we're the same. We're we're brothers. And the weird thing about the enemy is he tries to get us to look at something so minuscule and dumb, like a like the shade of skin or. Or the way that we talk, or whatever it is, those things that separate us, and somehow create some kind of division and some kind of like, like, bitter hatred for other races or other people because of stupid, minute things like that. Like, give me a break. Like, I get the separation of somebody's who, whose mindset is off, and somebody's who, who whose mindset is off needs God, and we're to preach the gospel to those people, whether they love us or they hate us but we're to love them in spite of their differences, in spite of their mindset being dark and wicked. And sometimes that's hard because you meet people who are so whacked in their mindset. They've been raised to be, uh, their race is better. They're proud. They have, you know, they believe that they're they're the chosen race, right? The whole Aryan brotherhood, you have to have blue eyes and blonde hair. or You're a mutt, right? You're just, you're humanity. And, and it's like, that's not even scientifically fact it's ugly it's it's evil and the fact that we have the same heart in this and we have the same capacity to be loved by god and to love god shows that there's no separation there's no partiality with god god's not looking at your color of your skin and judging you and saying you're not good enough men do that and religion will pinhole you. Religion will put you in a place of poverty and separate you from other people because that's the point of it. It's it's gross. It's taking man's efforts and man's ability and trying to use that as holy and righteous and and be the thing that separates you from other people. No, what makes you holy and righteous is Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And that's the only thing that's going to make anybody else holy or righteous or acceptable before the Lord. It's not going to be any of the religious stuff, any any kind of heritage, any kind of background of your family. Whether you were born in, uh, you know, England and you're you're related to the Queen of England, or you're African prince, what? And you you're sending emails to people wanting to give them all your money. (laughs) It doesn't matter. So that's the point I'm making. Therefore, when I was sent out, I came without raising an objection. So I asked for what reason have you sent for me? So now he's asking Cornelius, so why, why are you sending for me? He doesn't have that piece of the puzzle yet. So Cornelius said, four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour and a man dressed in bright dazzling clothing suddenly stood up before me. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. And your acts of charity have been remembered before God, so that He is about to help you. Oh, that's good. Woo! He's about to help you. Therefore, send word to Joppa, invite Simon, who is called Peter, to come to you. So, God's about to help you, but how is He gonna help you? He's gonna send a human being, somebody. God uses people. God can do things without people, but Normally the way he does it is he does it through people. God wants us involved in what he's doing. So God's about to help you what is he do? he wants you to send for Peter who God's going to use to help Cornelius. So in our life God will use and send people to help us. And that's such a cool thing. So don't that's why it's so important to just have the right heart before God, man. What, what is he going what if uh, Cornelius had some kind of racist issue, right, with Jews or, or Peter didn't hear God's voice and was like, no, they're unclean, they're dirty scumbags. I'm not gonna go, you know, witness to Cornelius. He's, he's uh, whatever, you know, have an attitude about it and then totally reject God and disobey God. But no, he, Peter's not in that place because his heart's right and he obeys God. And he gets a vision and God speaks to him. And so now he is in this place and another man is coming and and with God and helping a man who's in need and desperate for God. So I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Now then we are all here present before God to listen to everything that you have been instructed by the Lord to say. So opening his mouth. So in this moment, Peter goes, oh, got it. Puzzle complete puzzle complete, I'm going to show you and introduce you to who Jesus is. But not only that, but you're about to get a dose of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You're about to get hit with the endowment, the power, the person of the Holy Spirit is about to enter your life. So opening his mouth, Peter said, most certainly I understand now that what God is, that God is not one to show partiality to people as through Gentiles were Two people as though Gentiles were excluded from God's blessing. But in every nation, the person who fears God and does what is right by seeking him is acceptable and welcomed by him. So think about this. Okay. In some of the religious nonsense that we are taught in churches. here's, Here's what God's saying. In every nation, the person who fears God and does what is right by seeking him is acceptable and welcomed by him. So here's the key. You want to know if God's real? Don't come to God trying to figure God out. Don't be a scientist trying to to dissect and, and figure God out because you're trying to manipulate and control God. But come to God because you fear him, because you desire to know him right? And that you're, that you actually are seeking him to know him. And this is what it says that it's acceptable and welcomed by God, that God will accept you and welcome you. He'll reveal himself to you. He'll, he'll reveal his son to you. He will embrace you with open arms. But those who are, are hateful, bitter, and guile, and they they hate God and they don't love God, it doesn't mean God's not there. Wanting them to love them and to to show them that He's good, it's that you you cannot welcome something. God's not going to welcome somebody coming in and knowing Him, and He's not going to reveal and show everything to people who have a heart of bitterness and strife without allowing God to come in. Like that's where brokenness comes in, right? People who go their own way, they're bitter, whatever it is. They have all the stuff and and stuff in their life that's ungodly, the only way that that transforms and change is when they break, when they surrender, when they yield. And God reveals himself to them in a moment of where their their heart's crying out. They might even not cry out with their words. They might not say, help! But in their heart, they're going, help! Sometimes you can't even put words to the desperation and the cry that sometimes you feel on the inside of your life when you're miserable and you're going through pain. God is there to help you, but he's not there to help people who are uh, in this place where they're trying to manipulate and control him. It doesn't mean he doesn't love them or he can still help them. I'm just saying from the perspective of a complete surrender. God loves it when there's a surrender and a yielding because that's an open door for him to come into their life. It's an invitation. And, and, and when your hearts, when you have walls up and you're, and you have all these offenses or you have all this belief system that's like walls surrounding your heart, God can't get into that. You're going to, he, he wants to, but he's going to be kept out by those things. But in every nation that, that person who fears God and does what is right by seeking him is acceptable and welcomed by him. You know, the message which he sent to the sons of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know, the things that have taken place throughout Judea, starting in Galilee after the baptism preached by John, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with great power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. There's another one healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him because God was with him. We are personally eyewitnesses of everything that he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem in particular. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. So he's preaching the gospel. Peter's preaching the gospel. God raised him to life on the third day and caused him to be plainly seen. So it doesn't, it's not specific here in this verse, but I'm pretty sure Cornelius knew about Jesus, probably heard about him Um. And God raised him to life on the third day and caused him to be plainly seen, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen and designated beforehand by God, that is to us who ate and drank together with him after he had rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people, both Jew and Gentile, and to solemnly testify that he is the one who has been appointed and ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him. That through his name, everyone who believes in him, whoever trusts in and re- relies on him, accepting him as Savior and Messiah, receives forgiveness of sins. So everyone, everyone who believes in him, everyone who believes in, whoever trusts in, relies on him, accepting him as Savior Messiah, as Lord, receives forgiveness of their sins. Not by man, but by God. God forgives. God relents. He let goes. He he removes the stain of sin. And why Peter was still speaking these words, right? So Peter's preaching. He's pre- and this is this is the power of the testimony in in the gospel, of preaching the gospel. And why he's speaking. These words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who were listening to the message. So all these Italians, all the family are sitting in this room, right? And they all get hit by the Holy Spirit. As Peter's preaching, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God comes and and probably rests on them. And all of a sudden they just, boom, they get hit with this supernatural touch of heaven. And it falls on them while they're listening to the message confirming God's acceptance of the Gentiles. So when Peter sees the Holy Spirit fall on these people, it's another affirmation, confirmation of the vision that God isn't isn't looking at these people who aren't Jews, the chosen race, right? The chosen people. He's not going, okay, now it's everyone. Everyone gets to partake. Everyone with a heart that's crying, I want to know God. I want to know I, I want to know this God who is that I feel in my heart or that I know that there's something greater out there. I want to know who it is. And all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed. They were amazed. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been given and poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them talking in unknown tongues languages and exalting and magnifying and praising god so here that gift of tongues gets imparted and they're all speaking in tongues and unknown languages that they don't know they're speaking in other languages and exaltifying in their exalting and magnifying god in those languages and then peter said can anyone refuse water for these people to be baptized so they go right from the the infilling of the spirit to now the water baptism of, of the showing of the death of Christ and the resurrection of the new creation, the, the person that's saying, I'm dead to sin, I've been redeemed, I'm saved, to now being raised with Christ to new life. Can anyone refuse water for these people to be baptized since they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? And he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay there for a few days. So Peter doesn't just leave after he, they get saved and all these people are filled with the Spirit. He stays a few days afterwards. And I believe that he's discipling, right? He's teaching, he's ministering, he's, he's laying foundation for them. He's, he's probably imparting to them destiny and mantles and purpose and that now you're saved. You're not just redeemed from sin for you to not do anything with it. You're redeemed from sin to now do something with it to live for God to live with power to be endued with power to be a Christian. They became Christians in that moment. They're no longer just you know Italians that are just hanging out you know with alms giving and prayer, but now they have this endowment with power to go do something and be a witness for Jesus to be a witness of this God who came to Earth as a man and died for our sin. And you see that, you see the power of it in operation in this testimony and story of Cornelius. It's a beautiful story, I really like it. And not only that, but you have the this encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I believe any ministry or minister who's preaching the gospel and does not have this Holy Spirit evidence It's like there's something off, there's something different about it. And I'm not here to judge. All I know is in my life, like I, I need desperately to be around the Holy Spirit, the move of the Holy Spirit, the move of God. I cannot just go hang out in a church where somebody opens the Bible, talks about the Bible, and there's no move of the Spirit. It's dry, it's boring. You know, I mean, how many kids or people remember as a kid going to a church, sitting in a pew, uncomfortable pew, these long wooden boards with a little padding on it and sometimes no padding on it. And it seems like the more fancier the church, the more uncomfortable the seating, right? It's like they put all the money into the <laughs> into the wall, into the beauty of the church and the building instead of like a little bit of cushion, you know, for for <laughs> for people's rear ends. And uh, I guess maybe that's because if it's more comfortable, then people fall asleep easier. So they got to keep them uncomfortable in those wooden pews. But man, there's some of the boringest dead. Nobody gets saved. People just show up, hear a message, and they, they walk out the same. And then they just wait. They go live their life. They wait for the next service. To just come back and do the same thing, to check the box that they went to church so that in their conscience they can say, Oh, I'm religious or oh, right, I love God. Or, but the real reality of your love for God doesn't just show up in you going to a service and you giving a, tithe, a tenth of your tithe. It shows up in your life every day and in the power of the Holy Spirit and other people encountering and experience. And when you preach and you share your testimony, that people are moved by the Spirit, that they get to experience the touch of heaven, that they get filled with the spirit. They speak with tongues. They get healed. They get delivered. And that's not to say that every single person you're gonna minister to, you're gonna have some kind of like, that that has to happen. I mean, that's kind of like almost an unreal expectation because in my life, I've I've had to walk it out every day. And there's times where it's supernatural and it's incredible. And there's times where it's just, you're just being faithful. You're just being faithful and you're gonna get a, a bad look, a dirty look, or even somebody cuss you out or somebody just gets so angry at you because you're talking about Jesus because they got demons and who knows what, what else kind of hell is going on in their life. And they're just not a happy person, but you're just being faithful with sharing your testimony. And we know that in the Bible, there are plenty of stories of these type of incredible stories. And there are those where, you know, Peter has to like escape the city or he's, he gets whipped or stoned or beaten. Paul and all the disciples who are persecuted because of their faith. This is one of the good stories because you get to see the power of God and, and this this divine orchestration of, of putting all these pieces together. He's got a piece over here in Cornelius and a piece over here with Peter and what he's doing. And he bring people that are by the spirit that don't know each other, but he brings two people together for a purpose in the spirit and it's divine divinely orchestrated for god's purpose not just for cornelius but for his entire family and his relatives his household gets saved and filled with the spirit of god hallelujah hallelujah i'm going to go into acts chapter 11 and we're just going to go into a little bit of the beginning here and then we're gonna uh wrap it up the next uh verse here, Acts 11, verse 1. Now the apostles and the believers who were throughout Judea heard with astonishment that the Gentiles also had received and accepted the word of God, the message concerning salvation through Christ. So this situation isn't just a You know, like back then, if there was social media or if there was like the news like we have today, it would be all over, right? It'd be all over the news. It would, well, actually today it would probably be censored (laughs) and it would be canceled. It would be, you know, there would be the opposition media trying to totally undersell it, but you can't undersell word of mouth. You can't undersell people proclaiming and testifying of what they've seen and heard and experienced. So this is spreading and now the, the apostles are hearing and, and now that message that the gospel's for everyone and the, the reality of it is being seen for what it is. People are receiving the Spirit who aren't Jews, who weren't, who weren't necessarily the chosen people. They're getting saved and delivered and set on fire for Jesus. So when they heard with astonishment that the Gentiles also had received and accepted the word of God, the message of salvation. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision, certain Jewish believers who followed the law. So here we go. So Peter has a win, right? Peter has a win. He's, he's walking with God, obedient, doing exactly what the Lord told him to do. No fear of man, fear of the fear of the Lord being obedient. And so now he's on his journey. He's left there. It's spreading and but here we go. We got some religious Jewish people of the circumcision, people who are all about the religious structure and the religious system and they get mad. They take issue, right? So Peter went up to Jerusalem. Those of the circumcision, certain Jewish believers who followed the law took issue with him for violating Jewish customs. So he had, So here he is taking a step of obedience and it, here it goes bringing persecution now because God is, is saying, look, I've, I've obliterated the law. Your religion and your traditions aren't doing anything for you anymore. They're not going to buy you time. They're not gonna save you. They're not gonna earn you any kind of points with God. In fact, what earned points with God was Cornelius, a Gentile whose heart was pure and he wasn't like hey look at all these jews who are keeping the law and doing all this customs and all the orthodox stuff and he's up there just going ah oh, yeah you guys got no he's looking at a gentile and he's pleased and he says you know what i'm gonna go give him the real deal holy field the holy spirit and i'm gonna go preach the gospel is gonna be preached and they're gonna accept and receive jesus so these jews are upset at peter because of their customs and saying you went to uncircumcised men and even ate with them what how could you peter how could you do this right they're all upset and peter began at the beginning and explained the events so here he has this testimony of this supernatural experience and he explains it to them step by step saying I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision of an object coming down from heaven like a huge sheet being lowered by the four corners and it descended until it came right down to me and looking closely at it I saw all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth and wild beasts and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air both clean and unclean, according to the law. And I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, not at all, Lord, for nothing common, unholy, ceremonially, unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice from heaven answered a second time, what God has cleansed and pronounced clean no longer consider common or unholy. And so Peter's like, oh my, I can eat some bacon now, right? He's like, "Woohoo!" BLT for lunch, man. I'm having some bacon. (laughs) Oh, man. Imagine all the people that can't have a nice, you know, slice of bacon because of of their religion, of their laws. It's kind of sad, man. This happened three times and everything was drawn up again into heaven. And right then the three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were staying. So here's this, like, again, it's supernatural. It's like, you know, there's times I've had even in my life where it's like just the way events play out, they're so just, they're unexplainable. Just right time, right place. You're there. You meet somebody you haven't seen in years or your your paths cross and you just end up and you're like, whoa, this is divine. This is something you can't plan out, right? God is the one doing it and it kind of gives you an understanding of, okay, God, I see you here. I see this is, this is too, um, I guess, What I don't know how to explain it, too supernatural or too much of a coincidence that there's something higher at work here. God's involved. This happened three times and, it ev- and everything was drawn up again into the heaven. And right when the three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were staying, the spirit told me to go up with them without the slightest hesitation. So he's not just saying go, he says, go and don't hesitate. So these six brothers also went with me and we went to the man's house and Cornelius told us how he had seen the angel standing in this house saying, send word to Joppa and have Simon, who is also called Peter brought here. He will bring a message to you by which you will be saved and granted eternal life, you and all your household. When I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he did on us at the beginning. In Acts chapter two, well, he didn't say Acts chapter two, but at Pentecost, then I remembered the word of the Lord and how he used to say, and then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Peter's remembering the words of Jesus. And Jesus was saying, John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So even in this verse here, it's it's taking... And it's emphasizing this baptism with the Holy Spirit. Baptism with the Holy Spirit. That there is a emphasis that God puts on this piece, And all those ideas of Christianity and and whatever religion or people that say Christian, Christian science, Christian whatever, uh, you know, denomination without the holy spirit being emphasized it's never going to be the genuine authentic move of god because you cannot take the holy spirit out of the move of god you cannot dissect and cut him out of the reality of christianity you cannot do it and if you do it's you're watering it down it's not the genuine gospel it's a version of it with out the reality of it. And it's such, you, you know the difference. The more that you spend time with the Lord and you have been, if you've encountered the Holy Spirit, you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, you will know in an instant when you're around people that don't have the Holy Spirit. Okay. And here real quick, just to show you something, I'm going to jump ahead to Acts 19 in uh, just a little Preview here of what's to come down the road. Here, um, Acts 19. It happened while Apollos was in Corinth. Paul went through the upper inland districts and came down to Ephesians and found some disciples, some people who believed they were disciples and following Jesus and walking with the Lord. And granted, they probably were. And he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed in Jesus as the Christ? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he asked, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John performed the baptism of repentance. So here you're seeing when Jesus says, John baptized with water, but you're gonna be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Here it is right here in Acts 19. Paul said, John performed the baptism of repentance, continually telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is to confidently accept and joyfully believe in Jesus, the Messiah and savior. After hearing this, they were baptized again this time in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in unknown tongues and prophesying. So you see it here, Paul noticing, ah, you guys don't have the Holy Spirit. There's something missing from your idea of Christianity your idea of what it means to be a disciple. You are missing one of the most important pieces of this thing called Christianity. So let's go back to Acts 11, finish up here. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave Gentiles the same gift equally as he gave us after we accepted and believed and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, Who was I to interfere or stand in God's way? Not man's, not religion, not rules and regulation and tradition. This just rips apart so many mindsets of what God is and who God is. And it hones it, that narrows it down to the truth. And when they heard this, they quieted down and glorified and, and praised God. So these men had a shift. They had an issue, Peter explains, They believe Peter, because Peter has integrity. He has clout with them. They're gonna go, okay, Peter's not gonna lie to us and create a story. He's telling the truth, we're gonna believe him, and if we believe him, that belief now breaks down the barriers, and we're gonna rejoice because we love God too. We believe, and we don't wanna stand in God's way. We don't wanna stand in God's way. When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified and praised God, saying, then God also granted to the Gentiles repentance that leads to eternal life. This is real life after earthly death. Powerful. Now I'm gonna stop right here. But I love it. There is a gift of eternal life for humanity. It is a gift to all, every race, Every nation, no matter if you come from opulence and a rich, you're a king, a queen, or you're the lowliest of beggars who who was born without a mother and father, who lived on the streets, Jesus Christ is and forever will be your savior if you receive him and you desire him. He will open up your eyes. He will reveal to you how real and how awesome he is. All you have to do is come to him with your heart. You don't have to come through a man. You don't have to go to some religious place, okay? You just have to come to him and allow him to fill your heart and your life. Get it around other people who believe and have that heart because they are the anchor. They will be there to help you, right? These guys aren't alone. They have other believers. They have other people with them. Because there is an enemy who does not want you to know the truth, who does not want you to know who Jesus is. There's an enemy of your soul and there's your flesh who does not want to have to die, but wants to try to live and fight for life even though it's doomed to die. And Jesus is saying, "No, I've given you a new life and that you can actually, you'll never die. Jesus actually said that you will not taste death if you come to him and see him and believe him. And that doesn't mean you're not gonna, your body physically won't die, but that your soul and your spirit. And there is teaching on this in the Bible. And I believe it, you know, there's people that don't believe this stuff. I believe it, I know it to be true because God has so caught my heart and, and, and my heart is so in love with the, not only the experience of knowing and experiencing his love in a, a tangible, way in my life and seeing his faithfulness and that has been something that has been the foundation for me because I I had a life without God, without God's truth and his word and I've had a life with it and I'd much rather have him in my life and have a relationship and have prayer and Holy Spirit and belief that he's a healer, deliverer, savior than not. And I pray if you're listening, and if you haven't received Jesus, if you don't call him Lord, that it's simply a heart that comes to him, and you bow your heart, you bow it before the Lord, and say, God, because you are Lord, you are king, you're ruler over everything. I wanna know you. I receive you. I receive what Jesus did on the cross. I know I'm a sinner. I know I need you. I'm coming to you. I'm asking you for help, Lord. Come into my life. Show me who I am. Show me what you have for me. Show me what you want for me to do. Show me, uh, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of all the mistakes I've made, God. I ask, Lord, you would give me your heart. Give me your success. Give me the, the obedience that you have, Lord, so that I can walk with you in closeness and unity and that we would have a relationship that is genuine and true and not weighed down by religion and tradition. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray if you receive Jesus, if you said a prayer with him, that you know that all of heaven rejoices, that there there is a rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents and God receives you and I just pray that you would put yourself in an environment that's conducive for your health and growth and stay away from bad environments and people who who hate God, who don't love God. They will lead you down a path you do not want to go. Bless you, love you. Have a blessed week. Amen.